0: This week on the NetApp Tech On Tap podcast, we kick off February as unofficially Solid Fire Month. Andy Grimes breaks down Solid Fire, the general technology and competitive advantage, and how Tech Unplugged in Austin went. Welcome to the Tech On Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Brooklyn Glenn, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. Monster. Hello, NetApp! Oh, 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 yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. I am Justin Breezy and sitting next to me is Glenn Sizemore. You're going to make me say my name again? Yes, say my
1: name. It's it's like your new thing. You're just, it is. I'm I'm going to pull Glenn's string and make him talk. What? It's okay. Let me see if I can do it too. Sitting across from me is Andy Grimes.
0: Uh, no,
2: no,
1: that no. is not your name. Oh no,
0: wait—that's no, the spo- guest today. Dang. Spoiler alert. Sorry.
2: Yeah, no, Andrew Sullivan. As uh, well, I wouldn't say as always because it seems like I've been yet again traveling. But uh, yeah, glad to be back after a, a week away.
1: Yeah, you're you're on that 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 hype train called Docker containers, <laughs> traveling the world. That's right.
2: Yes, among other things. Uh, so yes, my my list of hats
0: is is growing. So wow, other things. Can you speak of these things? What else are you? Are they dragging you into kicking and screaming?
2: Yeah. So uh, the the wonderfully undefined DevOps, uh, as well as uh,
0: starting some developer relations type things. So I came up with a new term. Oh yeah? Yeah. So you know how like you have guys that you know have to do like network, and they have to do AD, and they have to do everything, essentially storage included. Okay. Yeah. We can call those guys ops 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 ops. <laughs> Ops, Ops. The operations, operations guys.
1: I don't know, Andy. What do you think?
0: Yeah, it sounds like you need to patent that one. Yeah. Make, make some Done. money on it. Done.
1: Uh, joining us this week, of course, uh, is Andy Grimes. Andy, you're no stranger to the show. You've been here before, but why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself again to the listeners who uh, uh, don't perhaps remember.
3: Sure. My name's uh, Andy Grimes. I'm a principal architect for Flash for NetApp, working with our Flash technologies, uh, field work, uh, working with resellers, working with our customers. Yeah. Um, been around Flash for quite a while, been with that app for about eight years. Um, so really excited to uh, be here today, especially after our solid fire close. So that'll be the big news to talk about. What? What's this?
0: What happened?
1: Uh, apparently that Christmas gift that you got us, Justin, it... it oh, it, it finally came in the mail? Yeah, it cleared layaway. The check cleared? Yeah. That's yeah.
0: good.
3: So yeah, we have uh, we closed the deal yesterday,
0: so we're, we're all very, very excited. Awesome. So you just flew in from Austin, and boy, your arms are tired. Hey! Hey! <laughs> No. What, no. Right no. what were you doing in Austin? Stop this
3: show right now. What were you doing in Austin? We were doing the Tech Unplugged event with uh, Steve Foskett. So we uh, actually uh, sprung it on everyone in the room. We were there for the, uh, the announcement for NetApp was at 2.10 Mountain Time. Um, we presented at 2.45 Mountain Time. So just in time afterwards, we were the first people to officially present. But uh, Jeremiah Dooley and myself uh, actually went up on stage and presented to a room full of uh, bloggers and uh, customers and, and techies in uh, Austin. So it was a great event, uh, great response. Everybody was really excited. Uh, we were very happy the uh, close went through, so we were not standing in front of the room uh, doing interpretive dance.
0: <laughs> I think that would have gone over well, actually.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of want a time machine. Go back. Let's let's just delay that email. Could have done just, fla- just to see how they handle it.
0: Could have done flash dance. Yep.
3: So, yeah, they. Uh, the SolidFire guys were great. They brought us uh, nice pairs of socks. So uh, we actually handed out the first set of the new SolidFire socks with the blue uh, robot on them. So we've mm. slowly uh, acquiring them into uh, the fold. But uh, no, I actually was able to attend their sales kickoff last week. Uh, really, really great group of guys, great group of people. They're really excited to be joining NetApp. The cultures are obviously just an absolute great fit. Um, our sales teams is really, really excited uh, about having them on board and working with them in, in opportunities and, and helping them leverage the technology. But, uh, yeah, so far, um, a lot of the conversations were, you know, hey, what do you guys need? What can we help with? What, what can we do to accelerate their technology and their products? And that's exactly what they wanted to hear. Uh, from what I understand, you know, all but 11 of them have joined NetApp or, or some incredibly high number. They're about 480 employees, and they are just jazzed to, to be a part of the family.
1: Yeah, we' we're, 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 I know I'll speak for myself I'm super excited uh, i I solid fire was one of those technologies in this space that you know as we've gone through the past three years and everything that's happened uh, in that time frame with with this whole explosion of flash as a marketplace and 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 the dynamics with cloud and every everything start moving everywhere at light speed they were one of the few that I looked at over the horizon and said okay that's interesting that's that's actually pretty compelling. It's wildly different than anything we do, but but it's very interesting. Uh, and now having that in house as part of, of the complete portfolio, y- yeah, yeah, we're a little bullish, or at least I'm a little bullish. I'm 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 perfectly you know comfortable standing in front of anybody at this point and going, yeah, what do you want to do? Yeah, yeah, we got it. Sure.
3: Yeah, th- that was interesting. I had a conversation with Dave Wright, who is. The, now the former CEO of SolidFire, he's now the vice president of the business unit for SolidFire, and they will maintain their own business unit, their own development, marketing, and sales force. We are we are doing as little touch as possible to help keep them focused and keep the momentum and just feed them resources. But that was one of the things he said that really resonated is, you know, two years ago, having three different Flash products wasn't necessarily what the market needed. It was early adoption. It was that hyper-growth phase. But people were using it for narrow use cases. Yeah. Now we're definitely in the case where SaaS disk, people aren't buying them anymore. They're putting it on Flash with just Minimal dedupe and compression savings, the costs equate. So SSDs are basically your performance tier for all storage now. Now the question is, is all these other use cases. What if you need NAS protocols? What if you need all these other capabilities that people have, you know, traditionally, if you've bought from a big big, uh, three-letter vendor, you've had one of 10 products to choose from. And they're not going to do all flash versions of all of them. Yeah, um, so that's really what we're seeing is is now as we move into all flash data centers and with larger capacity um, flash drives coming out in the very near future, we're really expecting to see SATA drives go away rapidly. And I already have customers literally that that I talked to her saying there will no, be no more HDDs coming into our data center. Period.
1: Yeah, it, it feels like we're in this real this weird chasm right now where those prices aren't quite there yet close nobody wants to buy the hard drive that's still a little bit cheaper so an organization is either financially strapped and and they buy the hybrid config uh that 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 gets them what they need today knowing that that yeah 18 you know 24 months from now absolutely it'll be all flash you know that it's just what it is um or they pull the trigger and and make that leap now knowing that it's just a little bit more expensive but but that is their eventual architecture
3: yeah, I, I think the key thing that we're seeing is is people want different ways to consume flash. And we, I've done the cost ec- economics, and it changes every couple of weeks as, as even the media prices change. But I've done you know just our SAS drive configurations versus our AFF configurations. And at 30% space savings, you're pretty much equal in dollars per gig. Hmm. Factor in power, space, cooling, and densities, and it's even easier.
2: But when oh, we look at the, yeah.
3: the newer 16-terabyte TLC drives that are, are coming from a number of vendors in the near future – um, those drives are actually, they're a little bit more expensive dollars per gig than SATA, of course. But if you look at you're getting 16 terabytes in 2u in a 24 in a shelf, the densities just pay for itself. And that's what we're starting to see yeah. is those are becoming big factors. Um, but really what we're seeing is, is kind of there's this general IT, traditional IT environments where people want protocols and features and functions and massive consolidation of IT. AFF is doing fantastic there. And of course, to, to, to poke at the source subject, to Flash FlashRay. You know, we announced FlashRay as another product for general IT and we spent you know, quite a lot of resources working on it. We learned a lot with that technology, deduplication, compression, the behaviors of garbage collection and all the different things. And we found that frankly AFF with some improvements, was competitive in that market. The performance is outperforming the other startups. This whole concept of built for flash really wasn't as as big of a mystique as you needed. Um, Because many of the Flash vendors that are out there, they're they're not that unique. They're active, passive-only architectures that don't scale out or they only scale out with the same media types. Those are not really innovative technologies. They're kind of increasingly becoming niche cases. Hmm. AFF with the improvements in inline compression, inline deduplication, and some additional things we're working on, please talk to your NDA presenters, they're spectacular. So in general IT, we didn't need FlashRay as another product. What we ended up finding is actually – It was just going to be another product in a market that's crowded with startups that are spending $2 to sell one. Yeah, And that just wasn't where we needed another technology. And while it had some great people working on it, some awesome resources, we just looked at it and said we didn't need another foot in this race. Because general IT spending is decreasing, and what we're seeing is is there's this new model of IT consumption that's coming. People who are taking workloads in AWS and bringing them on-prem and trying to set up that same environment. These customers don't want to understand RAID groups. They don't want to understand aggregates. They don't care about protocols. They care about scale-out yeah seamless scale out in a very economically predictable manner they care about qos and user experience and they care about automation because they want that one click provisioning of their environments and that's where we saw solidfire just had a very natural fit with these people that want just a very very different storage consumption experience um they support block they support iscsi and fiber channel but for the most part when we get in when we talk to their customers and when we've competed with them and we didn't compete with them all that much but when we have competed with them what we found was was really kind of some strange apples and oranges config, consumptions hmm. we were offering a lot of features on aff that the customers just didn't care about they really cared about these consumption models and as we started to you know in conversations at their sales kickoff and conversations with our sales reps they're talking to and selling to different people They're talking to OpenStack architects, to virtualization architects that have very different consumption models. So it's not necessarily that they compete per se with an an Extreme IO or a Pure or a particular product. It's more likely that they're architecting a completely different solution for new model of IT consumption. So that's what we think is really awesome for us is this is a different conversation that we're getting into with customers. So I talk to our sales teams and some of them are really confused. Hey, why did we buy them? Does this say, say something negative about our AFF? In fact, our flash rate cancellation to me is the biggest vote of confidence in the all flash FAS. Agreed, because it's basically saying we're we're good enough. We have a couple little things here and there. We want to accelerate. We want to make our products easier to use, of course, because that's that's just a trend in the market. But all of the features and functions that that we deliver with that are perfect for general IT. Um, but SolidFire is there for people, and one of their great use cases is people who are developing applications in AWS. They get to $15 million in revenue spend. They get to $100,000 a month in budget that they're spending in AWS for capacity. Hey, how do i I like to pull this on-prem and put it in a colo. SolidFire is a great architecture to build that because it scales like AWS. You have QoS capabilities to give you guaranteed performance. And you have automation to do that one-click interface so you can provision it exactly like you did in AWS. So, so to take a step back for
2: just a moment... Um You know, I I don't want to go too far in depth, uh, technically, on this particular show, because I I, I know, not that I don't think that you can do that, Andy, but uh, I know we've got some other uh, things coming up in the very near future um, that will do that. So I kind of wanted to ask, you know, can we get sort of a high-level architectural overview of SolidFire, of Element OS? And, you know, you made a really interesting statement there um, when you were just speaking a moment ago about how, you know, when virtualization administrators when application administrators are going a solid fire right they're doing it with a different provisioning a different experience a different architecture in mind can you elaborate on what that difference is versus maybe a traditional FAS or, or you know really any vendor uh, type of
3: environment so the the key movement we've seen in the last five years is consolidation of general IT and that's taking lots of workloads from lots of protocols and if, if you were working with a vendor and I'll pick on one an EMC you had a range of products you could bring to the table. You had VNX, you had VMAX, you had Isilon. You had a whole range of products, and you put Data Domain and recover point and VPLEX on top of it and then Viper to manage it. And you were willing to basically create these very complex architectures to solve every problem everyone brought to you. Mm -hmm. And when you do an RFP, you'd get lots and lots of checkboxes, and that's what you cared about. The people running these infrastructures need to cover as many checkboxes as possible with the same architectures. And if they needed four or five systems to do it, ten systems to do it, they were okay with that. But everybody came to them for resources. But increasingly what we're seeing is people are doing OpenStack projects. These are done by people who want white box server. They want to buy commodity servers. They want to set up their storage on it. They want a cheaper deployment model. They can buy their own servers, source them less expensive software options, or they can buy an appliance where everything's already kind of mated together. They, they know it works together, but it's still a cheaper deployment model. But also they can scale it granularly, add one small server at a time and scale out, in, you know, 25 to 50k increments. But these are people who are used to Amazon now, kind of consumption economics. They don't need a whole range of protocols. In fact, the protocols are relevant, they just want their data. Performance is predictable doesn't have to be the lowest performance it doesn't have to be <clears throat> you know a billions of iops or whatever you know fanciful number you want to throw out there it's all about predictable because if i'm going to host 40 customers' versions of my databases, I want that database to be really predictable in performance. So what SolidFire really brought to the table that we liked is we looked at a lot of different flash vendors that were out there, and, you know, we, we do it competitively. And Ironically, I actually wrote a competitive doc about SolidFire a couple of months ago, and apparently everybody I met at SolidFire had seen it. <laughs> so it had, it had made it out. Yeah. Uh, I actually know which rep sent it to them. Yeah. But um, Such no. is this business. E- exactly. And they all said, yeah, oh, you were mostly right. <laughs> But the reality is, is you know, we saw a lot of great stuff about the technology. You know, the white box server, which is yeah. what many customers want. Um, white box server is not for everything. It's probably not for the highest, lowest, lowest latency, highest, highest performance, and that's where we see AFF and EF fitting in. But the white box scale out—you can add nodes non-disruptively. It's basically a one U server full of SSDs, and it can scale anywhere from four to one hundred nodes linearly. Um, QoS is built into the operating system. As you deploy virtual machines, you get a capacity bucket, and you get a performance bucket. And you set both as you go. It can burst. It can cash credits for it. Really an outstanding QoS capability that service providers absolutely love. Um, And it's really, really simple to deploy. Um, And I think that's, that's important to understand. To a general IT shop, they're willing to tolerate some complexity to check off all those boxes. But to the people deploying these solutions, for example, in OpenStack, they don't care what protocol it is. They just want it to behave linearly. They want all the APIs built into OpenStack already so they can set it up in an hour and start actually provisioning and spend all their time on the orchestration and automation. And that's just a different consumption model. And we have customers that use ONTAP. And we have customers that use SolidFire and quite a few that use both. But most of the time, they find they're just very different use cases. On tap is for checking off all the boxes and consolidating everything and getting this great cost-effective infrastructure. Yeah. But at those same customers, we'll have their OpenStack architects will come and say, hey, we tried Ceph. It blew up in our faces because it's a, it, two PhDs should come strapped to that. SolidFire, all the APIs are built into it. Literally, I've seen demonstrations already where you can have it up and running in an hour and your people spend all their time working on the orchestration automation. So, And that's really a fundamental difference. Is it's, it's a different consumption at a different level. Um, it's a different emphasis for what a lot of them are looking for. But we've seen people, for example, they create a new application they want to run in Amazon, and they're running that environment. They get to that $100,000 a month in AWS spend, and they want to pull that back on-prem. They don't want to learn storage. They don't care about a whole list of checkboxes and features and functions. They've probably got a virtualization guy who speaks OpenStack open source or who speaks VMware virtualization or KVM or Xen or whatever, but he's willing to build this himself, and he doesn't want to learn about RAID groups and aggregates and all the the traditional storage stuff. So those are the kinds of customers we see happening. There's a huge growth area in the IT spend there, and we think SolidFire really plugs into that. Um, No one else can touch them. None of the other Flash vendors can grow out linearly. None of them have that, you know, the ability to add and remove nodes. That ability to add nodes with different drive sizes and different different environments as they go. So they actually are very similar in in a lot of ways to OnTap. Um, the non disruptive operations story that we've we've had in Cdot is, is very very similar, but it's just a different consumption model. Okay.
1: So I'm um, I'm curious. Uh, one one of one of the things that. Uh quite frankly, impressed me uh, just endlessly uh, was uh, when SolidFire decided to take uh, their software and, and uh, spin it out under the Fueled by SF program. Uh, do you know if we're going to continue to support that and, and, and just distribute the software by itself? Uh, or, or, or are we going to, you know, bundle it into uh, actual hardware distribution like our traditional platforms?
3: So um, one of the things that's really cool is um, we closed this in six weeks. Yeah. So, so NetApp has a history, and I I don't think it's deserved anymore. You know, our, some of our acquisitions have not gone as well as they should have. Again, we have a little bit of a reputation for some of our acquisitions not having having gone as well. Um, Spinnaker took a long time to fold in, and that's not really a good representation because we, as a company, made a conscious decision to bet on VMware rather than integrating Spinnaker at that time.
1: Yeah, but but you know that that thing drives me insane because it reminds me sometimes of my wife. Like, why are you bringing up something that occurred ten years ago? Exactly, it's not relevant to to today's
3: conversation. Absolutely, and and that's about my feelings. Well, and that's exactly what we hear in the discussions. But, you know, frankly, that's what we were told by a lot of our resellers and our customers. Hey, these guys are awesome. Don't screw this up. And so that's kind of been our mantra with this. We closed it incredibly quickly because we did not want engineering confused. We didn't want the sales teams confused. We didn't want their company culture to be impacted by a long limbo period. Mm. That being said, we've had a lot of vice presidents talking to each other, but not a lot of operational people. So really what we've done is we've taken a look at their roadmap and said, keep doing what you're doing. We're not going to change fundamentally your products, but how would you like more people to do it? So we're giving them the signal that we're going to continue to invest and, if anything, accelerate some of their projects. Okay. So um, in terms of actual integration, you know, there's a lot of things we can do. Um, we're talking to their sales teams. They love our hybrid cloud story. They want to participate in the hybrid cloud story, and that's an easy thing for us to integrate them with. Um, we've actually, uh, On Command Insight should be, should be supporting them very shortly. Um, they have an alpha data source out already. Yep. So, you know, we've already done a lot of the work to, to integrate them in, but they are not going to be bored. This is not going to be something where we try to integrate them fully with ONTAP, although, the, you know, maybe long term, who knows what, yeah. what we're thinking of five years out. But short term, it's an awesome product, a focused sales team, a focused development team. They really know what they're about. Um, one of the big things they're working on is Vols. That's something we can help with. We have a lot of people who have a lot of expertise there. Um, oh, yeah. You know, NFS is something that they've talked about. That's something we can what? help with. So, yep. So I, I see a lot of opportunity for us to work together on those things. But, you know, as I said earlier, they're not really about checking off all the boxes. They're really about having a solution for the people who want to consume IT in a very specific way. But the competitors that they run up against on the market, we find that if, as soon as you look at in those right types of where people really care about this... No one in the market can touch them. And that's what we really wanted in the acquisition. We wanted a market that this is where IT is going, not where it is today. You know, there are many companies out there who just buy buy companies, milk them for profit for a couple of years, wait until they're obsolete and then buy a new one. Um, and some of those companies are merging right now. Um, that's not what we're about with this. We bought them to actually invest long term.
1: Yeah, I actually I, I point at the bycast acquisition as as personally how I think this is going to end up going. Exactly. Know? You know, and and there was a case where we bought, we picked somebody up initially. They, they we told them the same thing: just keep doing what you're doing, don't change anything, keep heading in that direction. Yep. Uh, and then about a year later, once we really understood what they were and and how they worked, you know, it got reverbed into into Storage Grid, and and now it's in my mind the the premier enterprise object store system. Yep. You know, if you want to if you want to run an object store on prem, Storage Grid is where it's at. I'll put it against anything. Uh, and and I personally, uneducated, who what the heck do I know? I'm just a TME on the Flexpod team. Th- that's how I anticipate this is gonna end up going. It'll be the same way. You know?
3: Yeah, I, I think the, the important thing is they have their own marketing, yeah. they have their own sales force. And I've I've spent a lot of time with them already. They're great, great people. Oh, yeah. The cultures are just an awesome, awesome fit. Um, but there's a lot of things they can help us with. You know, I, I loved a the conversation, they have a 2 line item quote. Um, you know, really, really simple business processes, and somebody said, "Yeah, we're going to integrate those into you know some of our tools." I said, "Hey, let's put our stuff in their tools." Um, yeah. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> there's a real easy way to simplify stuff, but but no, I mean, their their sales orgs very very focused, very very good at what they do. Um, I've competed with them in a couple of cases, and yeah. what was interesting to me is they would come in, they would not lie about the ratios of, of storage efficiencies. They were scrupulously honest with their customers and genuine about what they could do and what they couldn't. And I think that fits very, very well with our culture because there's a lot of uh, noise in the market right now. There's a lot of promises. There's a lot of guarantees that aren't worth the paper they're written on. And there's just a lot of kind of just desperation in the market. People are spending $2 to sell one. And if they don't make it, their IPO is not going to go well. Their stock price isn't going to go well. Their their burn rates and their spend rates on their cash aren't going to go well, or they're not going to cash in the way they wanted to when they took that job. So there's just so much churn and chaos in the market. I think it's it's almost like you want to look at it as that, you know, across a crowded room of chaos, the two perfect groups saw each other and said, "Yeah, we're a good fit. Let's make this work."
2: So, so two questions for you. Uh, so one, if I'm a, a customer, right, what do I what do I need to know? What what should I know if I'm thinking, well, may, maybe is Solid Fire uh, a fit for me? Right, I have an open stack deployment. Right, is this something I should be considering? Right, and two for our Salesforce, right, the sales guys, SEs, our, our partners, um, what what should they know at this point? Right, what should they pre- be prepared for? You know, I mean, literally, it's we we closed. Eighteen yesterday. hours yeah. ago, so yeah. I know things are are still kind of preliminary. But is there is there resources available now? Is there things that they should be aware of? Or uh, and I can only imagine that all of that is also simultaneously in the works. So
3: yeah, so I, I think the key thing is is um, this is our Q4, and you know we have a lot of pipeline to find and a lot of things going on. Plus they're brand new in, and we do want to do as light touch as possible. Yeah. So really for this quarter, um, their sales teams and our sales teams are going to work together on opportunities. Uh, If a customer wants to hear about it, certainly there's a number of NetApp people like myself that can have a conversation and tell you the difference, but there's a really good chance if you've got an AFF quote in front of you or you've got an EF quote that you're working with, you're probably already quoted the right solution because you're probably talking to the teams who are looking for those types of features and those performance. It's very unlikely that you've got an AFF system in front of a customer, and wow, this should really be a solid fire. That's pretty unlikely, not just because of the differences in the technology, but also just because of who we're likely talking to. And that's one of the biggest things I talk to NetApp sales teams teams and, and even our resellers about, you sell this to service providers, you sell this to virtualization teams, you sell this to OpenStacks. These are the people who want to consume this solution because it makes the most sense to them. Are we talking to the OpenStack architect? In a lot of cases, probably not. We're probably spending most of our time with the infrastructure and storage teams. But as you know, a, a Tam on one of the large accounts I work with, he said to me, the OpenStack team came to him directly last week and said, yeah, we've got an OpenStack project. We don't need to talk to the storage team. So there's a really good chance if you're looking at this technology it's probably not going to be consumed through the traditional infrastructure pathways. Yeah,
1: by the way, that's why most of those projects fail.
3: Um absolutely. And yeah. and that was that was a good sign and and I think that that unfortunately is kind of the exception with our sales force. Um I say the same thing to our resellers. We have a number of resellers who are jointly between SolidFire and NetApp. But not a lot of even those are really good at understanding that service provider model or have OpenStack skills or have this new consumption model. So, you know, I've had a lot of questions. Hey, should I just throw this, throw this against the wall and, and see how this competes with something? That's not the way this technology typically works. Yeah. If you've got an AFF for a multi-protocol problem, that's the right solution. If they think that they can, you know, dial it down to one protocol and they think, you know, one of these startups is going to solve world hunger for them, odds are AFF is probably going to be a better fit for core IT and general IT, um, EF for performance, you're never going to get any lower latency than, than pretty much any vendor on the market that, frankly, has a stock price above a dollar. Um, one of the things, though, that I, I really see out there is um, you really want to understand um, how how we're going to bring this to market. The SolidFire sales team is still intact, they're still available to our sales teams and to the, their customers. None of that's going to change. You're just going to have our sales teams working very closely with them. Um, I can't get into compensation, et cetera. That yeah. all needs to be announced. But the reality is, is we've made choices to make that so we want to work together. We want to work with our customers. Um, resellers, if you're not selling solid fire today, that's something we'll work on as we get into our next fiscal year. And again, this is my understanding. It may be different when it comes from the officials. But what we want to do is, is – Make this a nice, easy transition for everyone involved, their customers, our customers. Make sure that you know as you come up with new consumption models, Is our existing customers, hey, maybe you'd like to take a look at this, we'd be happy to discuss it with you. But there's a really good chance if you're already purchased an AFF system or if you're looking at purchasing an AFF system or an EF system, it's probably not a fit. They're not really a one-for-one. One. Um, so does that make sense? Yeah,
1: yeah, it totally makes sense to me. And 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 that that's kind of how I personally like have internalized this and and rationalized it in my own head, you know. We've uh, EF as you said, you know, that that is your application verticals, you know, for those guys that need extreme performance and and that's all you care about is performance. It's the fastest thing in the market, right? Yep. Uh AFF as you so correctly uh, uh of course you would because you are a flash architect. This is kind of what you do. Um uh, is that general-purpose platform, you know, with all those controls and features that, that traditional uh, enterprises uh, require, right? And then, you know, we've got these these uh, alternate deployment methodologies depending on on what the consumption model is. Uh, and in my mind, I, I also agree that that's the way to think about it because I actually, in my mind, will take SolidFire and Storage Grid and kind of slam them in the same bucket. Two completely different technologies that share absolutely nothing except for the fact that, that the decision for whether or not that's the right choice really depends on how it's going to be consumed. Yep. It's, not, it's not a conversation around speeds and feeds, technical co- capabilities, or, or price per gigabyte. It really is a conversation about how do you plan on actually consuming the storage at the application tier.
3: Absolutely, and and I think the the problem we have as technologists, and this is just a you know if you if you've read consumption economics, you you get it. This it used to be a feature war. Yeah, it's not a feature war anymore. The other thing that's really changed is you know general IT spending is decreasing. AWS is putting pressure on that, but Object is pulling data out of unstructured NAS. You know, we've got this, whatever this hyper-converged thing is depends on whose definition this week is. I personally think SolidFire is a fantastic alternative to the so-called hyper-converged. I don't like the idea of my compute and capacity living into the same sheet metal because then I can't add to compute, add to memory, and add to capacity independent of each other. So we personally think SolidFire is a fantastic alternative to people who want really, really simple to consume IT without all the pain points of putting under everything under the same sheet metal. Yeah. However, we, you know, that's something we reserve the right to change later. But um, you know, the market really likes software defined. But in a lot of our work with some very, very large customers that have experimented with it, very large CEPH projects, very large. Um, white box solution projects, they found that getting to the lowest latency for their tier one applications doesn't always work. Um, So, and and that's kind of what we see with SolidFire. Um, It's a great architecture, but it's not an application acceleration focus. Um, It'll blow, you know, Pure, for example, their, their latency tends to be variable, and that's something that they're known for. They predominantly prioritize efficiencies. That's great. Solidifier is probably very a lot faster than them in many situations. may not be in some other situations. yeah, but that's not the focus. You want predictable performance that's good, not necessarily 200 microseconds, which is where you know we, we see the EF typically come in. Yeah. Um, so that's where you got to kind of get into it and you got to be careful as technologists, we have to recognize that this isn't a feature discussion. This is much more about how you're consuming it and why and tie it to the business value and what people are trying to achieve with it. Because that person, that, that administrator of a company that delivers all of their content online is running it in AWS today and wants to pull that capacity back to a colo facility to save himself some money, give himself more predictable performance and build that AWS experience on, on, on private pro, on a privately hosted environment. That person probably doesn't want to worry about aggregates and spare drives and raid groups and learn all about storage and hire a lot of storage admins. If there's technologies that can deliver that same AWS experience without it. So does that
0: makes sense? Yeah.
3: Absolutely. Totally
0: to me. I'm really annoyed. <coughs> Why are you annoyed, Justin? Because I want to ask a question, but he keeps answering them before I ask them. He's like <laughs> he he is the flash, of, he is the flash? Of, of like question answering. Oh, he's he's, he's just running like around. Low the... latency, okay. d- predictive analysis, just come on, man. <laughs> yeah,
3: I've been getting hammered the last three weeks because uh, it's actually amusing because almost no, no one inside of NetApp has been able to talk about it. It's been the Fight Club conversation. You're not supposed to talk about Fight Club, but do you know about Fight Club? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> can we not talk about Fight Club together? But no, I mean, seriously, we, we've tried to help our people technically understand. Um, a lot of our SEs are like, when can I get trained on it? When can I use this? And and the SolidFire people are, are going to be completely overwhelmed by these requests. So um, from what I understand, they are going to set up a global training for our internal people um, there will be some some training events. I'm doing a partner summit tomorrow in, in Virginia. We'll be talking about it and helping people kind of understand the technology. But if they're not signed up as a partner today, we're probably not going to do a lot of work to get them signed up in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah. It's going to be more of a May type of thing. But we do want our people to understand the technology and understand that, hey, it, it may or may not be a fit for this. So um, any other questions or anything I can answer?
0: What do you guys have? Anything? I mean, he keeps answering everything. Yeah, yeah. No, we just pulled
1: your string, and what, what is this? Thirty minutes later, you basically have gone through my entire list of hard-hitting, well-thought-out well thought-out questions. The
0: best part is, he'll say something. I'm like, oh, I got a question on that. Let me wait till he's finished. Oh, he already answered it. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm guessing comes from the fact that you've been getting so many questions, and everything I have to ask is unoriginal.
3: No, a lot of people have thought of some really interesting ones. Um, But not me. (laughs) The the biggest question I saw that I I actually like is um, a lot of the analysts really slammed this when we bought it when we bought them and the purchase was announced in December. A lot of them said, oh, yeah, their, their Flash strategy is a failure. And I was working with the Flash rate team at the time. And as soon as I found out this acquisition was going through, and as I said, I did the, the competitive analysis many months ago. And then yeah. the competitive team did, did some work on it that I worked with. And it, you know, it was We try to do very balanced analysis. It's not slam-fud. It's here's where they're good, here's where they're bad, here's where we fit, here's where they fit. If you want to compete with them where they fit, you know, you're know, you going to have a hard fight. Yeah. Um, and that's what we try to do. We also try to understand their go-to-market. And everything we saw about them, we actually really, really liked. Um, But what was interesting, as we kind of went through that process for the last couple of weeks, is a lot of people have said, hey, why did you buy them? Was this a failure for Flash Ray? And when I found out that the acquisition was actually going through, I said, don't announce them at the same time, because they're really disconnected events. we canceled flash Ray because the market we were targeting with it was no longer a really desirable market i was actually asked several weeks before and i'd been working with the flash Ray team on their roadmap and saying i need this for this use case for these people yeah. getting the roadmap dialed in for for what we really needed because aff was covering almost everything else and you know they they were awesome they were awesome about it they did everything they could to kind of help us get it get it together but i said to some people who who asked me some opinions a couple weeks a couple weeks before it was announced I literally said, you know, this is a market that's full of people who are willing to lose money to sell their systems at a substantial loss. And while one product is differentiated to another product, there's about 40 of them all crowding around. And at Tech Unplugged yesterday, they actually showed up a slide that had something like 60 different vendors of storage out there. And in general IT, there's just no relevant differentiation in these startups any longer. I mean, there's just all these little things that they do that sound interesting when you hear their pitch, but the reality is is they're just almost commoditized amongst each other. And we didn't need another foot, another player in that space. SolidFire is a completely different animal. It's outside of that space. They operate in a QoS and a white box in a completely different way than everyone else out there. So if you get into kind of that feature comparison, they're not going to look, look as good because their features are higher up the stack. They're in the QoS layer that no one else can touch, and almost none of the Flash vendors have. Um, we have QoS built into ONTAP, but it, it's frankly not as good as what they've got for what they use it for. Yeah, their
1: threshold capability is super impressive.
3: They, exactly. Yeah,
1: they're super, super impressive. Credit
3: buffering, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. And they, and they surface everything through APIs. So you can RESTful API everything you want for chargeback, for you know complex orchestration and automation. But that's what we keep hearing from their customers. For what it's great for, nothing can touch it. Um, also, we didn't really compete with them all that much. In the field, we found ourselves kind of bumping up against each other yeah. in some enterprises every once in a while in service provider. Um, but for the reality is is we kind of selling into different groups of people at different times. Yeah, you know, uh,
1: it's interesting because I'm actually like this. To, when we finish recording here, I go back upstairs and go back to work. And I'm working on a service provider thing that, that uses cluster data on tap, right? Yep. Uh and I'll tell you, there are different SPs out there. There are oh, yeah. SPs that, that that basically look and feel like large enterprises, and they need exact. They, they need AFF, they need flat, they need FAS, yeah. um, because that's how they run their business. There are other SPs we talked to, and 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 you nailed the head. You nailed it right on the head. That they they just don't fit in that bucket. Okay. They run their business a different way, uh, and for those 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 organizations, OnTap isn't actually a great fit. But but. SolidFire sure is.
3: Yeah. I I had an actual service provider two weeks ago ask me to come on site and say, hey, is SolidFire a fit for this? And we looked at their architecture. They said, hey, is this going to be the just really, really, really cheap dollars per gig? And I said, you know, dollars per gig, they can come pretty close to each other. It's it's not a dollars per gig differentiation. But they had a private cloud offering that had every protocol in it. They had lots of orchestration automation set up. They had a number of offerings that were built. They had offerings they were working on based on storage grid you know, SolidFire wasn't necessarily a great fit for that offering. Yeah. But for their Gen 2 or Gen 3, there were some things they were doing that, and that's kind of what I find with SolidFire. It's really good for kind of these new builds because you can kind of, your offering starts to take advantage of all of those capabilities and features. But for kind of moving general IT stuff, in, and it's not that SolidFire can't do fantastic consolidations. They do. They, they, there are lots of vBlock environments, for example, that are pulled on, and there are traditional applications as well as these kind of scale-out-as-a-service applications. They can do both. What we find in some of these environments where maybe they're more general IT-heavy, ONTAP is going to be a better fit because you're going to check more of the boxes. Yeah, SolidFire is going to be a better fit for. I really care about the, the chargeback, the consumption model, and the SLAs are driving architectural decisions. That's where, hey, you know, maybe we don't want NFS for this. The protocol never comes up.
0: So with the the uh, Hunger Games storage, hundred, Hunger Games, right? That's that's what I call the the flash market right now, um, or the storage market, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. What it sounds like is a lot of these competitors all were chasing the same shiny object and they're still chasing that object. And really what it is, is, is the race to the bottom dollars per gig is what they're chasing more or less. Right. So what we've decided essentially, and I'm just breaking this down from a layman's standpoint, we're, we've decided that that's not a race that's worth running. We've decided that the race to the future is what we're g- going to do with the solid fire acquisition. Is that kind of the way I've distilled it? Is that... A- absolutely. And I, I kind of
3: termed it as is it's a clean space play. Yeah. You know, w- where it's selling and people, you know, t- they're taking these giant open source applications that they've developed in AWS and they want to bring them back on prem, MongoDB, just very complex Docker environments, et cetera. They want a different consumption model and they want different things from technology and the peers and the extreme IOs, the peers of the world that are, as, you know, no better than our old seven mode silos. That's not a very good deployment model. In fact, that's one of the things a solid fire people tells us is you buy a pure box, it's really easy to install, and you don't need to know about ray groups and spares anymore until you have 10 of them. Then you have 10 separate silos you've got to figure out how to move data between them and do all the traditional silo management. Plus, you have no orchestration automation and QoS to help with consolidation. So yeah. those 10 systems start to become little islands of application silos.
1: And, and, and then you learn enough to realize you have to build something that looks um, remarkably similar to clustered data on tap.
3: <laughs> exactly. So what's, what's interesting that they actually say is the second flash array for almost every pure customer is a solid fire because they've already... Oh, that's it, hilarious. And they've already bought into this, and then they've seen all the problems with that, yeah. that architecture. And not not to pick on Pure too much. I'm, I, I think Pure is an interesting technology. They just made some architectural compromises to get to market early, and now they're paying for those because there's a whole ro- group of second-generation startups and third-generation startups that are coming in, but they're all still targeting that same general IT space because they think if they just pull enough margin from each other, they can make it to IPO. They can all cash out and go on to their next job. Yeah. Um, that was something I didn't feel... And by the way, with the SolidFire people, I didn't feel like they wanted to cash out. I think they felt like, and, and really what I saw in, in the vibe from them is, hey, these guys can help us with our roadmap. They can they could open up avenues to us that we don't have today. And that's, that's huge for both companies. But, yeah, in the traditional storage and general IT space, we don't need any more storage vendors. There's, I think we're going to see a lot of them die this year this year and next year. Um, that being said, I think we thought we'd see more of them die last year.
0: Yeah, yeah, they they managed to cockroach it out. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't
3: I I just don't see them continuing though with the way they're burning capital. But that's something that a lot of the the startups are starting to see. Do I have someone to buy us versus do I have somebody to um, are we going to IPO and is it going to go well? Because in this market right now, IPOs aren't looking like a really good prospect. You know, I don't, I don't think not for
0: any industry. I mean, it's the yeah. stock yeah. market in general is just kind of like, yeah. Let's yeah, thanks,
3: choose. China. yeah. So, thanks, so I, China. I, yeah, I think they're all going to have some some economic stresses. But, you know, again, not to pick on a particular vendor. That's just where the market is right now. Well, I mean, There's you a could, lot of chaos. You
0: could look at the vendors out there and just kind of look at them from afar, and you could see generally who is angling for that Right, that that IPO or that cash out. I mean, you can tell from some of the messaging, you can tell from just the behavior of how they're doing things that, oh, that looks pretty obvious that you're just trying to, to cash in. Yeah, to a certain extent. I, I, I'll agree I, with that yeah, a little I bit. I mean, I'm not, you know, know, I'm not it's, calling it names, but yeah. I, I've seen it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's really obvious. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah you definitely, in, in the storage business in particular, you definitely run into scenarios where you just look at, you walk in and you talk to the customer and, and you talk to their architectural team uh, and you hear from the the rep, and you know, forty five minutes later, you look around and just like, okay, so uh, nobody was listening the whole time that this guy's been talking, because everything on this quote is not relevant. Uh, there are those scenarios, right, that clearly does happen in all vendors across all verticals. Um, but but uh, for the most part, I feel like we have done an, a phenomenal job uh, of of fighting against that. Uh, in keeping our people focused on on what ultimately really does matter, uh, wh- which really is just customer success. If you can make a customer successful, business will come. That's the only thing that matters: is solve their problem and leave them happy and help them get over that hill. Business will come, you know. And 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 I agree with. I, although I don't know them personally very well, uh, I know a lot of people over there from from before they were over there <laughs> since. Uh, we had a whole bunch of uh, Cisco converts that that went over to SolidFire about a year and a half ago. Um, everybody that I know that had, had that focus, you know, that 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 same mindset. So, I, uh, you know, we talked about it when, when we first heard the announcement. We didn't think it was going to be a problem. You know, we were just kind of crossing our fingers, going, "Please clear," uh, because this could be awesome. Uh, and now it's cleared. So I'm getting ready for the awesome.
0: Yeah. that's right. I think I think it really comes down to the question that I've always heard asked around here is what problem are you trying to solve? Right? Yeah, like yeah. And, and if you approach a business from that perspective, you'll succeed. If you are pro- approaching it from what features can we give you to make us buy your make you buy our product? You're not going to succeed.
1: Yeah. All right, Andy, thank you so much for uh, uh, flying overnight from Austin to RTP so you could come up here and and uh, let us know uh, what happened yesterday with with the acquisition uh and and some of our short term plans of course you know all of this stuff's going to continue to harden up uh we 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 were joking uh before we actually hit record that february is probably just going to become a uh, solid fire month for us <laughs>
3: yes yeah. yeah a lot of 101 presentations are planned and yeah we we've warned the solid fire guys it's like yeah we, we can handle a few of those for you but you're going you guys are going to have lunch booked for the next 9 months i think was something that, that one of them said
1: yeah be prepared for you know Tens of thousands of, of uh, customers and partners to all
0: of a sudden look at you at once and go, so what do you do? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or just getting question after question out of the same question over and over and over again. You're going to get that. It's going to happen.
1: You're just living vicariously
0: through yourself now. I am. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Andy, that was, that was great. Thanks a lot. Um, one yeah, you, don't, you don't have to run away, but you can if you want yeah, to. Yeah, you can stick around. I mean, you know, nobody's chasing you out of here. All right, so one feature we've started here at the podcast is the Ask the Podcast feature. And what we've asked people to do is send in questions of various storage things that they want to know about NetApp-related. And when they ask these questions, we say we answer them on the air, and then we give you stuff, like stickers or whatever we have in our desks laying around from previous trade shows is really what it comes down to.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I need to <laughs> clean out my area. I have a lot of swag. Yeah, a lot I, of swag. I got to find some more podcast stickers
2: because I'm down to like granola bars in my yeah, desk, I'm, and I don't I'm, think anybody wants that.
0: I'm thinking I'm going to bite the bullet and just buy some. But yeah, so we have other stickers and we have other stuff that we'll be sending out. But if you have a question you want to ask the podcast, uh, podcast at netapp.com. If you have flash questions, of course, we'll direct them to Andy and he'll answer them. Um, so one of the questions we got was from Stacy Carter, and she is on Twitter as, as virtual Stace. Uh, she asked, how, does she, how do I use the PowerShell to automate a few tasks on one or more ESXi hosts in Virtual Storage Console? Is there an up-to-date PowerShell toolkit that would help me? And Andrew Sullivan just so happens to know the answer to this question, don't you, Andrew? Yes, and the answer is yes. <laughs> that easy. That, that easy.
2: So uh, as of Virtual Storage Console 6.0, the PowerShell commandlets ship with the download. Uh, so when you go and download Virtual Storage Console, you get the, the zip file inside of there will be the the module for the command list. You just drop it into the appropriate place for your uh, system, and you can now do the vast majority of Virtual Storage Console-related tasks. Now, I will note that that does not include backup and recovery because backup and recovery is a separate module. Um, however, if you are using... Virtual Storage Console 6.1. If you're using Snap Center, right? Snap Center has its own set of commandlets, so you can absolutely right. Those two are fully integrated. You can absolutely take advantage of automating backups, right? Snapshot recovery, etc., through that platform. So yes, absolutely, fully available today. Um, I will note one thing. Uh, so Stacy and I emailed back and forth a little bit. Uh, so there are currently no uh, uh, what we refer to as EHU commandlets. Uh, so EHU standing for ESX host utilities. So we don't have a commandlet, for example, that will go in and check for host-based best practices, whether or not they're applied, how to apply them, that type of stuff. The reason for that is, well, you can do that outside of Virtual Storage Console. We publish all of those things inside of our best practices TR, uh, so TR4333, uh, as well as inside of the installation and administration guide for, uh, for Virtual Storage Console. I believe it's even like page 37 or something that they're listed on. So... I have published before. Um, I will make sure to include a link uh, how to set those using PowerShell, so that way you don't have to rely or you don't have to wait for a power a commandlet to come out for Virtual Storage Console. You can do it today automatically.
1: Yeah, personally, I uh, do a web search on Practical-Admin.com for ESX best practices, and I just run Sully's
0: PowerShell script. That sounds like a plan. That sounds yeah. like the the right way to do it. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, <laughs> Google is our friend. So another question we got was from Tim Kustner, and he asked some general SMB support questions. And there was one in there that I see pretty regularly, so I'm going to go ahead and address it here. The question was, if I enable SMB2 or SMB3 after I've already started running SIFS on my storage device, will that cause me any problems, any disruptions? The answer to that is no. Uh, Existing connections to SMB1 will remain SMB1. The SMB1 connection will be retained until that host is rebooted and establishes an SMB2 connection, provided that client supports SMB2. So Windows XP, you are out of luck. And honestly, if you're running Windows XP, you're probably also out of luck because they're not supported anymore. Yeah, for a
1: different reason, but still
0: out of luck. Still out of luck. Um, If you disable SMB2 or SMB3 while there are clients using SMB2 or SMB3, you would see a disruption because those clients would still be trying to use SMB 2 or 3, would not try to go negotiate a lower version, and then you'd have an outage on those clients until you rebooted the client. So enabling, no problem. Disabling, yeah, you might have a problem. Interesting. I never thought about that.
1: I would have thought that the the behavior would be the, the uh, file handle will time out, and then it would reconnect, and upon reconnect, it would negotiate down.
0: You would like that to happen, but
1: once it once it locks in at a higher protocol, yeah, the it's client just doesn't like, it retry. Keeps trying, yeah, huh.
0: and th- I mean that may it may, may change in newer versions of Windows, but from what I've seen in in practical use, it yeah. just yeah, because we'll have we'll have you know support conversations where you know somebody calls in and support guys like, oh, you should disable SMB two, and I'm like, no, <laughs> because that's going to cause you an outage because you're going to have clients that are just you know trying the SMB two protocol and it's disabled, it can no longer connect.
1: Yeah, there were there were also uh, some growing pains uh, around the SMB stack. Uh, that, that 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 this particular email that, that we got uh, was was referring to an older seven mode system. Uh, in seven mode, you know, of course SMB two was disabled by default, and and you know we had to have this kind of like uh, matrix tree conversation to figure out whether or not you should really turn it on. in um, clustered data on top, SMB three, two, and one are always on. Uh, unless you explicitly go into the options and turn them off. Uh, it's a wildly different architecture and it's just built for those modern protocols. So it, it, w- these problems are really, it's its a legacy issue with the legacy platform, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, cluster Data On Tap just doesn't suffer from any of, of these complications. Uh, it, it's it's a thing with 7-mode. You know, We continue to support it. we got customers out there that, that depend upon it. Uh, and if you're one of them, then, then of course, this, this guidance uh, falls into line. But if you're a CDOT customer or you're getting ready to deploy cluster data on tap, don't worry about this stuff. You don't have to think about it. Just turn it on. It works.
0: Yeah, I mean, specifically, one of the issues he was referring to was an issue we had in older 7-mode with SMB 2.1. And yeah. that's a non-issue in cluster data on tap at all, different stack entirely. And in 7-mode, they've already fixed it in a recent release, so don't worry about that. Either just run the latest release of cluster 7-mode, of and you shouldn't have any problems there. Yeah, you should, generally speaking, always just run
1: the latest release from your vendors. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm continuously, like, just blown away uh, walking into various counts and... You know, you, you, you'll walk in and talk to a customer, and they'll be like, oh, we're trying to do this, this, and this. And you'll be like, oh, okay, well, that's standard in Windows. Just enable this feature. And they'll go, oh, no, no, we're, we, we we only use Server 2008 R2. And, and I always find myself just in the in the room looking at them going, okay, I came from, from a federal environment. I, I've worked in, in places that had those kinds of rules before. I'm amazed that those rules still exist in 2016.
0: It's effectively hitting the
2: snooze button. I don't know. see. Once you hit eight point three, this isn't a problem, right? Literally yesterday, I upgraded my eight node cluster. I typed the command and then went to lunch.
1: This and, is my point. And I, I, I mean, you, I'm you running. You are brave to like, I'm just running go to lunch. Running
2: several hundred, hundred virtual machines, right? It's running multiple other labs and all kinds of other things inside of our environment for doing, you know, virtualization, for doing containers, for doing all kinds of other things. It just non disruptively handles it. It, yeah. it really is fantastic. I've been doing Vol moves. I've been doing all kinds of stuff, getting ready for an equipment move in the near future. And yeah, it, it's great.
0: I'm totally with them. I do the same thing all the time. I've got I, the old school mentality. I'm sitting there watching it like, oh, is it going to break? Is it going to break? Oh, it didn't break. Awesome. All right. I could have left and gone to lunch. Now I'm hungry. I,
1: uh, I, I, I am having to teach myself to let go of my old ways. You know, there, the, the, there's a saying that I heard on a podcast uh, a couple of years ago, the artisan server builder. And, and, and I think it it accurately defines, you know, those of us who've been around for a little bit, how it used to be, you know, you'd start off talking to, you know, the app guys and, and looking at the business requirements and you would go and you would price your server and you Play around with different HPAs, and you know you'd figure out like this is the cheapest hardware that that'll get me what I want. You go through your review process, you buy your gear, you get it, you go and you rack it yourself, and you cable it. And if you're like me, then you spend way too much time like braiding the cabling and making it beautiful because you're convinced that the way a rack looks affects how it performs. I'm still broken that way.
2: Um, don't forget, if you disconnect a cable, you have to turn it up, so that way all
3: the... Yeah, all you got to shake the bits out. <laughs> yeah, shake yeah, the data out. If, you don't, if yeah. you don't
1: shake the bits out, the cable's ruined. Um, totally true. Uh, not totally not true. Um, the, but, but, you know, there was this, this view that it, it's very much like an artist looks at, at art. You know, you, you took ownership over the entire thing. You know, you owned the whole thing. It was your baby, and, and, and you would defend it as if it was a child. Those systems are gone those days are gone. Now you buy servers in 20 packs, you deploy them all at once through rapid provisioning. You configure them in mass through either an orchestration layer uh, or or an automation platform in and of itself. Uh, And once you embrace that, and you start deploying with that methodology. And you start managing with that methodology. I'm not going to run Windows updates on this cluster or on this host. I'm going to configure cluster-aware updating and get it so that it's auto-updating on a schedule using maintenance windows. It completely changes how you interact with your infrastructure and, and the types of things that you care about. Uh, and, and whether or not you trust that auto-update, that function... I really think depends on where you are in that process. You know, if, if you've made that transition that I'm trying to force myself to make, which which is work, you know, it's going against like all these best practices and things that, that, that have always just been empirical truths that are no longer truths. Um, so it's, it's, it's work. But, but if you can do it, the light at the other end of the tunnel is, is
2: vastly improved productivity. Yeah, well, I mean, if you think about it, right, it's a maturation of the markets, right, of the offerings that are available. Because yes, previously you had to be an an artesian, right, to create servers because well they were complex. Yeah, and I think the the other part of that is, you know, applications have drastically changed in the last you know five to ten years. In that previously, every application was what we today call a pet, right? It assumes that the hardware is infallible. The network will always be there. The server will always be there. The storage will never go away. It will always give me exactly what I need. And it turns out that, well, none of that's true, right?
1: It's it, never been true. Yes,
2: it's, ne- it's never been true. But so five nines. Yeah, so so applications are changing in order to accommodate that. And it turns out that it makes all of the infrastructure parts so much easier, And really the goal is, right, and if you think about something like cluster data on tap, right, what I was just talking about where I can, you know, I set it to update and then just walked away. Well, what's more valuable to my time? You know, I remember when I was a junior storage administrator and we were planning an on tap upgrade from something to 7.2. It was months of planning and having weekly calls with NetApp and going over all of the engineering steps. And we had meticulously planned out, right, literally we had a 12-page document that had every single step and every command and what the expected output was and what would happen if something changed or something didn't go right. And, you know, it resulted in a 12-hour maintenance window that took all 12 hours and all this other stuff well me as a system administrator and it wasn't just me there was 30 people involved in this oh yeah what's more valuable right is our time more valuable being spent on the applications ensuring that the business is able to do what the business needs to do or that well the infrastructure is running
1: yeah you know that, that that's the mistake that you make you know you, the the mistake is is chasing uh the, you know the trying to run servers that, that have zero errors and and trying to go through and, and run pristine environments you know it's it's just not it's not at the end of the day it's not actually adding value and and that's the thing like I said that, that I am myself struggling with sometimes I still fall back in the old mindset uh, in in my old habits uh, of, of thinking about systems and architectures and and I have to continuously push myself to to go no let go let go that doesn't matter you know, for stupid things like I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Here, here's a really easy one, using DHCP on an iSCSI initiator. Whoa! Yeah, mind blown, right? <laughs> like I'm so trained that that I must meticulously configure the the iSCSI initiator to ensure that MPIO and multiple session configurations and that the pathing is correct. Um, that that it is really hard for me to let go and and just say it'll be fine. You know. It'll pull an IP off DHCP. It'll run its DSC config script to to get the initiator configured. It'll connect it to the target. And DSM will ensure that the paths are correct. The system has been designed so that I can throw work at it and it will just work. I don't have to micromanage every aspect of that work. But actually doing that in practice requires effort. You have to force yourself to do that the first time. then you see it work and you go, yeah, this is so much better.
0: (laughs) So, so no more um, handcrafted, free range, grass fed servers anymore, right? I mean, <laughs> that's over.
1: Yeah, I I personally think it is. You know, we're we're we're, or at least we're on the way out. You so know?
0: those guys need to move to Brooklyn. Is that what you're saying?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not learn to bro- move to Brooklyn, but uh, I've said it before on this podcast, and I'll say it again. Uh, if your primary mechanism for interacting with with your infrastructure is a mouse. Um, you, you you may want to find a new career yeah because uh, that's not gonna that's not gonna work dude I don't nope. care how good your GUI is and I don't care how good your management tools are you can't keep up with me if you're using a mouse that's I right. move faster than you do it's that simple Automation yeah for the win
0: All right that music tells me it's time to go if you'd like to get in touch with us send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at netup. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes or SoundCloud or via TechOnTapPodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech OnTap Podcast team and Andy Grimes, I'd like to thank you all for listening. Oh, yeah. Remember to send us your questions. Podcast at NetApp.com. You can make it over there, man falling asleep on me i felt i well i started reading and i was like oh i i still have the guys from last week in here as the text. oh is that what happened i was like oh yeah i could mention those guys and they would it would just totally me just make me record of this. this oh yeah or, or i could just call you out and and yes. we'll,
1: we'll capture all of this in the recording that's
0: okay i'm okay with being called out it's, it's okay problem well
1: I'm, I'm okay calling you out so this works it's
0: good it's all good right.